0: Hey folks. As you know, the Supreme Court recently overturned Roe v. Wade. On this episode of the Cafe Insider podcast, Joyce Vance and I assess the arguments in the majority concurring and dissenting opinions. Meanwhile, many people are wondering what steps the federal government can take to protect abortion rights and what the implications are for other constitutional rights, such as the right to use contraceptives and the right to same-sex marriage. Joyce and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and to access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So we've talked about the majority opinion, We've talked about the three concurrences what we didn't spend time talking about last Friday in the emergency podcast was the dissent. And it's all three of the progressive justices wrote one dissent.
1: That's unusual.
0: It is. They want to speak with one voice I think although it's only three it's only three of them but they spoke together. And it's pretty strong. It's pretty powerful. What did you think of it?
1: The dissent is good reading and it's accessible. I think the justices wrote this document intentionally hoping that it would be read by people who were not lawyers, because it's, it's comprehensible that way. Let me I, I mean, really, I wasn't joking when I said I'd like to read the whole thing. I hope everybody will read it. Let me just read from the last two paragraphs, because they help us understand where this dissent goes. This is the three justices writing. They say, the justices who wrote those words referring to an earlier opinion in Casey, O'Connor, Kennedy, and Souter, they were judges of wisdom, They would not have won any contests for the kind of ideological purity some court watchers want justices to deliver. But if there were awards for justices who left this court better than they found it, and who for that reason left this country better, and the rule of law stronger, sign those justices up. They knew that the legitimacy of the court is earned over time. They also would have recognized that it can be destroyed much more quickly. They worked hard to avert that outcome in Casey. The American public, they thought, should never conclude that its constitutional protections hung by a thread, that a new majority adhering to a new doctrinal school could, by dint of numbers, alone expunge their rights. It is hard, no, it's impossible, to conclude that anything else has happened here. One of us once said that it is not often in the law that so few have so quickly changed so much. For all of us in our time on this court... That has never been more true than today. In overruling Roe and Casey, this court betrays its guiding principles.
0: And then it ends, quote, with sorrow for this court, but more, for the many millions of American women who have today lost a fundamental constitutional protection, we dissent, end quote. It doesn't say we respectfully dissent. It says we dissent.
1: The justices always, when they dissent, are almost always, say, with respect. So this is an extraordinary marker of how these three justices view the majority opinion.
0: I mean, there are other aspects of the opinion also that I think are important. One thing that we haven't talked about yet is the disproportionate effect that the overturning of Roe will have on women who lack financial resources. In fact, the dissent is very explicit on this point. Quote, the majority tries to hide the geographically expansive effects of its holding and says, above all others, women lacking financial resources will suffer from today's decision. And, you know, addressing the point that we've been making before about where the momentum is on this, quote, most threatening of all, no language in today's decision stops the federal government from prohibiting abortions nationwide. Once again, from the moment of conception and without exceptions for rape or incest, end quotes. That's another thing, before we even get to contraception and same-sex marriage, you know, what is the state of play with respect to any kinds of restrictions on abortion at all? When you take away the right, even if the Supreme Court doesn't ban the practice, but if you take it out of the category of being a fundamental right, then all restrictions are in play. Not just at the state level, where they keep talking about the state, but all restrictions are in play at the federal level too.
1: This notion that there could be a national ban is something that every American who cares about abortion rights needs to keep at the top of their mind when they walk into their voting booth this fall, because this is absolutely correct. There would be no restriction on a Republican majority's ability to pass a national ban. And that, frankly, should frighten all of us. I think it's this part of the dissent, really, that led Merrick Garland to issue the statement that he led following Roe, where he made clear that the Justice Department would engage on some of these issues, that they would affirmatively protect travel rights that they would be vigilant about protecting medication abortion, at least to the extent that they can through litigation, and also that he would commit to protecting First Amendment rights because there's some concern that states will try to ban, for instance, the provision of advice to an Alabama resident by another Alabama resident about their ability to travel, state in North Carolina to obtain an abortion. Garland makes clear that he will engage on all of those issues but he can't really do anything about a national ban.
0: Let's pause and talk about what Congress can do and what the federal landscape is. Both things are on the table, at least technically, right? A national ban on abortion and also a codification of Roe could be passed, right? Now, both of those, I presume, would be based on Congress's power to pass laws that affect interstate commerce. And obviously, there are many things that Congress regulates based on its Commerce Clause power. There's some debate over the course of time about you know how significant the nexus has to be to interstate commerce, but all manner of things, including Hobbes Act robbery and, and, and gun regulations. We'll see what happens with that, though. But all sorts of things get regulated on the basis of, of interstate commerce. And historically, there hasn't needed to be much of a nexus. So if you ask the question, well, how can it be that Congress can regulate abortion? That's essentially the foundation on which they would do it. Now, I think as a short-term, medium-term political matter that neither a ban nor a codification is really possible politically. You have an evenly divided Senate. In fact, an, an exactly evenly divided Senate. You know, the House could do one thing or another depending on who has the majority. But an evenly divided Senate and overwhelming popularity of some right and access to an abortion in this country may not have any impact on the Supreme Court or ability to persuade the Supreme Court, but in an act of democracy such as it is, I think that's unlikely. That's point one. Do you agree with that or not?
1: I do with this caveat. I think that this court would be more inclined to find ways to affirm a national ban than they would be to affirm a codification of Roe.
0: Right. But I mean, just on the, on the political matter, do you, do you think we're anywhere close to either one of those things happening?
1: No, absent radical change um, in the composition of Congress in the midterm elections, right now nothing's happening.
0: So let's talk, so so once a ban gets passed, you know, it'll go up to the Supreme Court, it'll be litigated to high heaven, and, and the Supreme Court could find what as a basis for affirming it?
1: Well, if there's a ban, they'll find that abortion is commerce and that it's within Congress's power to implement that sort of a ban, as they have in other areas. They might, for instance, point out that Congress uh, regulates drugs nationwide, or really they can point to any sort of thing in, in that area to support this, right? That's, that's a pretty easy thing to do, and that's what the court is inclined to do.
0: This is the point that dissent is making, that you know, once the Supreme Court in Dobbs has taken away from the public a fundamental right to abortion with some restrictions— as Kavanaugh points out in his concurrence, the court is is sort of taking a neutral position. It is not for the court to decide, right? It only decide there's no fundamental right. It's not for the court to decide as a policy matter, whether abortion is good, bad, or something in between. And so in the same way that the court would uphold a, you know, an Alabama ban or a Texas ban, because that's what the people of the state decided, if the people of the country decide through the House and the Senate, that there's a ban on abortion, the Supreme Court would leave that alone. In other words, the Supreme Court doesn't have to find some basis. It can just say, well, that's what the people asked for. Now, on the other side of the coin, if we got to a point where, and a lot of people have been clamoring about this and, and criticizing former Democratic presidents for not codifying Roe when they had the opportunity, when they controlled both houses of Congress and had super majorities, a codification of Roe might... As you were saying a second ago, I think correctly, it's much more likely to be struck down by the Supreme Court. And why is that?
1: They'll find that abortion isn't commerce. They'll find that it's a different matter, not covered by the Commerce Clause. And unless you think that that doesn't happen, it actually does happen. I recall when the criminal statute regarding arson was struck down in the context of federal prosecutions of church fires that were happening in a broad swath across the Deep South in in Black churches. And one of those cases went up on appeal, and the defendants argued that the arson statute was an unconstitutional exercise of the Commerce Clause power. And the court, surprisingly enough, found that that was the case and struck down some of those convictions. So the court does reject Commerce Clause analysis. It's, it's not as easy as saying, well, the pews in our church were manufactured out of state. And the court finds ways to reject that. We know that they're results-oriented when it comes to abortion, and it could be viewed as, as a different sort of issue, not amenable to that kind of a Commerce Clause resolution.
0: You know, I have to think about this more, but another argument would be, if you have a makeup of a court that's prepared to consider the question, you know, when does life begin? And the argument in the states, in the various you know, states in the, in the union, in trying to justify a ban on abortion you know, earlier than even six weeks, would be an argument that, that that's when life begins. And, and if life begins at point X, then terminating that pregnancy after point X clearly is criminal and should be unlawful in the minds of those people. But I wonder if the Supreme Court will get into that. But I I think, luckily, we don't have to worry about this in the immediate future.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't do that here. All that they do is find no right. So the only basis for review here is is rational basis, and, and that's how they reach their result. That's why Kavanaugh argues in his concurrence that this is a neutral opinion that preserves the rights of states. But you make a really good point about whether that could change and, and shift in the future.
0: The other thing about the dissent that we previewed when we were talking about the majority opinion by Alito is its exposing of the, the intellectual hypocrisy and bankruptcy of Alito's reliance on things that are deeply rooted in history. And you, you and I said a few minutes ago, well, a lot of our history has been bad. And in particular, our history with respect to women and women's rights has been bad. And you made this point some time ago, as others have. It's basically, we have not treated women as equals for centuries. And now we're bootstrapping that historical fact into an argument against abortion now. here's what the dissent says, quote, "'The same could be said, though, of most of the rights the majority claims it is not tampering with. The majority could write just as long an opinion showing, for example, That until the mid-20th century, there was no support in American law for a constitutional right to obtain contraceptives. So one of two things must be true, and this to me is the key. Either the majority does not really believe in its own reasoning, or if it does, all rights that have no history stretching back to the mid-19th century are insecure. Either the mass of the majority's opinion is hypocrisy, or additional constitutional rights are under threat. It is one or the other." End quote.
1: I think it's impossible to be intellectually honest and to say that that view is not correct. No matter how many ways the majority tries to skirt that conclusion, it's just not possible. The analysis is very good, and and the justices recognize the power of a dissent. They talk about Scalia's power in dissent in Lawrence, where he talked about how he saw Lawrence as, which is the case that says that there's a right to same-sex intimacy, as leading to same-sex marriage. And, And the justices in the dissent, they suggest that they hope that they won't join Justice Scalia in the Book of Prophets, prophetic defenses that foresee the future better than majority opinions do. Because this analysis that the dissent brings to bear suggests that all of these rights aren't just vulnerable, but that perhaps there's some inevitable slide towards the loss of them.
0: Now, you and I, Joyce, know as former prosecutors that there's another dilemma that is coming up. So various states up to maybe 26 states will ban abortion to some degree. And many of those states, maybe all of those states, will criminalize a performance of an abortion or assisting in the performance of an abortion or the election. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.